Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and today we're going to have a really interesting conversation about a brand new film that's out um, called Those on the Front Lines of Alzheimer's and Dementia. But before we get started with that, I, we always get new listeners, so I always like to tell people a little bit about us. Um, bottom line, Alzheimer's Speaks was created to give voice to all parties, uh, those living with the disease, to those personally caring, to professionals, researchers, advocates, um, etc. And that was uh, because my mom had dementia for 30 years, and I just really felt the need for that. And so uh, this journey with Alzheimer's Speaks is, is really about being an advocacy-based um, company to provide multiple platforms to help people engage and shift our care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We also help companies expand their brand footprint by leveraging our content to be able to um, access those that are interested in learning more about dementia and caregiving. But I also want to thank our audience because you guys have just been so critical in sharing our content and our voice. Not only do we have Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, but we have a blog, a YouTube channel. Um, we do speaking and training um, and so many other things. And each time you are so kind to, you know, just take that second to click and like the information, you're pushing it out to your sphere of influence. And people are becoming more accustomed to seeing that it's okay to reach out and grab information on the disease. You are making it more normal and not as scary. So I want to thank you all for that. Um, in doing that, you've also gotten us recognized by Oprah, Maria Shriver, and Dr. Oz. And, and now just recently, um, we've been recognized as uh, 50 over 50 through Art Minnesota um, as a disruptor in the industry. And again, that is, those are accolades I share with all of you because this is something we're doing together, I truly, truly believe. I also, um, before we get started with our interview, want to give a shout out to um, Kathy Braxton and Tammy Newman, who own the Silver Dawn Training Institute. Um, many of you know them as Dementia Raw. I went to their Certified Dementia Commu Communication Specialist training the other week, and it was incredible. It was really a lot of fun, um, very interactive, and, you know, you never... You never really felt uncomfortable because they're just such gracious teachers. But they teach introspective improv, and they use real scenarios to, to help all of us in the class kind of change how we would respond or react um, to someone with dementia. And I just found it um, very helpful. And I go to a lot of those classes, but I 
this one I walked away with a lot, a lot of great tools. So I would highly, highly recommend them for both professionals and for families. Um, they also have dementia challenges that they post on their Facebook page and their websites that are really interesting as well. Another uh, organization I want to uh, thank is Calendar Cards. Um, not only do they have a great memory system that helps people stay independent in the earlier stages, but they also um, provide the Memory Cafe directory. And we're pushing like 500 of those now in the United States, which is absolutely a fabulous, fabulous piece um, and tool for all of us to tap into. And then the last thing I have to give a shout out to is the World Kindness USA, which is a new organization here. They just had a soft launch in LA um, the end of last month, and I'm really excited to be a founding member of that. I, I think our world has gotten pretty discombobbled in terms of who we are and and what we want this world to look like. So very excited to be part of that. So you'll be seeing more information on the World Kindness USA, and feel free to go to their Facebook page or Google them and become a member as an individual or as a company. Um, some exciting times ahead. So with no further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest today. We are extremely thankful to have Keith Famey with us, who is an Emmy Award-winning director and producer. And his documentary film, which is called uh, Those on the Frontline of Alzheimer's and Dementia, takes viewers on a journey into the daily lives of both those diagnosed and those that care for them. Keith has also served um, as his father's care partner until his death in 2003. So welcome, Keith. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me. But, you know, more importantly, thank you for embracing such a very complicated but very, diff uh, you know, very important topic for all of us. Yeah, I, I think it's here to teach us to be better people, actually. <laughs> so I, I learned a lot of lessons in 30 years that my mom taught me and just being a, a better person and being more present. And, and so I'm very excited um, for this film that you have uh, pulled together. I know this is a time-consuming thing to do, and we'll, we'll get a little bit more into detail. I want to... Um, introduce a couple of people who are also in the film. And the first one is uh, Kathy Dutchman, who is featured in the film with her mother, Rhea, um, who has frontal temporal lobe. And she is also an executive producer on the film. So welcome, Kathy. And how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, last but not least, I want to introduce uh, Robert Stones to our audience. Uh, his father was in later stages of Alzheimer's, and he and his mother, Annette, were both featured in the film. So welcome, Robert. Thank you. Great to be here. And he's still going. He's just still with, you know, in his latter stages, just FYI. So. Okay. Well, great. Thank you <laughs> okay. all for being here. I'm going to um, start with uh, questions, and I'm going to point those to um, Keith first. And um, Keith, you know, what made you decide to make this film to begin with? Well, there's no question that in 2003 and the, the years leading up to it, I kind of had a I had a very 
active front row seat as being my father's caregiver for Alzheimer's. So, you know, that took me down a path of um, the emotional highs and lows that come with that with anybody who's cared for anybody with Alzheimer's and dementia. And then over the years, we've produced a whole series of films about aging. We did a 13-part series about women and aging, seven-part series about men and aging. And, you know, I've always vowed that I would one day do a film about Alzheimer's and dementia. And about a year and a half, two years ago, roughly two years ago, I guess, I started that project. And it was just time to do it. And I think that, you know, one one of the dominoes that fell was the fact that, you know, as an aging baby boomer that I am, uh, never before in history we had so many people, so a tsunami aging at simultaneously, and our cognitive well-being is something I think we all take for granted in a very big way until, you know, some diagnosis kicks in, and by that stage it's it's way too late. So it was really kind of an act of like, what what can we do as an aging population for our own self, you know, to stack the deck in our favor, but at the same time. How has care changed and how has the philosophy of understanding loved ones with dementia evolved from like when my father had it in, you know, 2000, 2001, 2003. And it's come such a dramatically long ways. Uh, And and it's for a whole host of reasons. I think that um, we've had to find a new narrative, a new way of helping our loved ones. We've had to find a new way of understanding them. And, you know, people like Tipa Snow, who's a, just a trailblazer out there who's helped families understand a new way of coping with and, and better enabling somebody who's on a, a journey of dementia to, to really be present within their, their world. So when I started on the film documentary, I was really fortunate to meet Kathy and, and both Robert who were in the film, both of them are executive producers, but more as important as that was, is that they shared openly a very complicated story of caring for, in Kathy's case, her mother, and 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 watching that decline, and how do you how do you navigate through those days? And then Robert with his father, uh, very poignant parts of the documentary, um, but some really strong messaging there. Uh, not 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 only do you really get a very clear understanding of what Alzheimer's or forms of dementia look like in the film through their stories, but you really understand what compassion and love can mean uh, to to not only the family members living with a loved one, but the loved one themselves. Okay. Was there anything that surprised you in the making of this film that you learned from families that, oh, that maybe you didn't sure. know? I, I, always, I always understood and felt that uh, uh, a, a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or dementia was predominantly genetic-related. Uh, and as uh, as we're now coming to find out, and of course working with the professionals that we feature throughout the film, that uh, you know, quite often lifestyle plays a significant role on our cognitive well-being. Uh, not to mention the environment and how we've how we treat our planet, how we've treated our planet, and the impact uh, our surroundings have on us, uh, you know, and our health. So I, I think that. It's an awakening. It's a it's a real serious awakening for anybody that sees the film. But it also does lend a sense of hope that if you're 50, 55, or 40, and things of that nature, and you're aging, that you can, if you've got some genetic history within your family that you're prone to a form of dementia or Alzheimer's, you do have the capabilities now to get your uh, reins on the horse 
and and try to steer yourself down a path that maybe you can age cognitively healthier than maybe your mom or dad did or other ancestors, you know, other relatives. So that's probably one one of the most significant, you know, aha moments for me um, was, geez, maybe we have more, we have more possible control over this than we realize. We just have to be very disciplined about it though. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting even using the term cognitively healthy. I mean, I think of, you know, I'm almost 60 and going to the doctor all the time. I, I've never heard anyone say, you know, how's your mind doing? <laughs> no, how's your cognition? Um, never, not once. And Yeah, and we take we take the brain for granted. We really do, unfortunately, but we do. I am myself yeah. personally, not I think everybody does. Yep, exactly. What do you think have been the biggest challenges for care partners and family members and you know in in their roles of caring for someone who's who's got a form of dementia? Well, I think that anybody that lives or has lived with a loved one can if you just take a, a spousal relationship, first of all, the declining relationship of a spousal relationship of what a, a marriage of 30, 40 years looked like. I'm mean, just with my mom and dad, you know, my mother felt that in the early stages that he was doing, he was acting in purposely. He was forgetting on purpose or he was pretending he couldn't remember. And it created a huge strain on the relationship. Uh, and then the, the deep personal sense of relationship starts to take a whole different form. You know, when, when a loved one, a spouse has to now care for somebody who's, uh, not only failing maybe in health, but in, in their cognitive capabilities, it, it puts a strain that's it's almost unimaginable. And it, it's really important for children who have parents that are going through this or one of their parents is going through this to really understand what, what that caregiver, the mom or the dad, are, are, are dealing with because um, it, it'll, tear, it'll just, it'll, it'll, it, will, it will tear apart the caregiver almost before it does the individual living with a form of dementia or Alzheimer's, and which is really sad. So, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village, a very deeply compassionate, understanding village to care for a loved one with dementia. And it really does. It's not a, uh, it's not a single act by one person that I can take, do this on. It really takes a, quite a few individuals to really uh, jump in it. And then, Find the moments that, you know, there are moments within the complexity of this that are loving, caring moments. And probably the most important thing I learned is just be in the moment. If somebody thinks that they're in 1940, they're doing something, or they're 1960, then just be with them. Don't tell them they're not there. Go where they are. You'll find it it's far less stressful for them. It's far less stressful for you. And, you know, it's uh, everyone, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, you know, and we wouldn't, I always say, you know, we wouldn't pressure a small child to change their mind. You know, we would we would play with them because that's what we do with children. But I think we've gotten so focused and, and almost too grown up for for our uh, for our panties, you know, in in uh, in a way that we don't know how to play anymore. We don't know how to be relaxed. We don't know how to have ca- casual conversations. Everything's so serious and everything's driven by agendas and and to-do lists and things. And that was, I think, one of the biggest lessons and one of the biggest gifts my mom gave me was to, like, let go of control and just be in right. the moment. And, right, exactly. boy, that was, 
really, really an eye-opener. Well, I'm going to pull Kathy into the conversation here. Um, Kathy, can you tell us a little bit more about about your mom and um, what prompted you to participate in the film? Because that's a big decision in and of itself. Okay, sure. Um, I had just retired from teaching and in the summer of 2009, and I started noticing changes with my mother. My mother was repeating things all the time, asking the same questions over and over, forgetting, and exhibiting some problems with memory. So um, I've been living with this with my mother now since 2009, and when I met Keith, it was just really one of those deja vus. Keith and I just clicked automatically. We met each other, and I said, I need, I'm a teacher. I need to teach people, current patients, future patients, caregivers, family members. I need to teach them that there's a way that we can help our loved ones who are suffering from a dementia of whatever dementia it is. And I wanted, and, and, and just going to my own personal experience of being very embarrassed by saying that my mother was, um, well, people were noticing that my mother wasn't quite the same way that she always was, very outgoing and gregarious and talkative, and she was becoming very quiet and forgetful. And I, I was very embarrassed by it when I was with her in public, and so I needed to, to teach myself that you can see beyond fear. There's fear of this disease, terrible fear, there's a lot of stigma attached to it. People don't want to admit that their loved one has a memory problem or a disease affecting their memory. There's a lot of avoidance and not, not addressing it. And I, and I needed to take action, and I needed to go through all these steps. So when I met Keith, it was almost like I wanted to help people learn what I've learned and let people into the sadness and the despair that we that, – that, I was running away from to a degree to not admit it openly and outwardly and to basically let people, rather than running away from it and denying it, face it head on and know that your loved one can still have a very meaningful, loving, beautiful life. They, they're suffering from a terrible, insidious disease that's affecting not just them, but it's affecting all their family members around them. But my goal was to help teach people, teach the world. I mean, get it out there. Let people learn. I'm a teacher, and so it was just kind of like a net. So when I met Keith, that's just kind of how it all fell into place. Okay. What were some of the biggest challenges for you as a daughter and as a care partner to your mom? Oh, well, my mother, first of all, my mother was um, – extremely outgoing, gregarious, social, active, worked. Um, I, she stopped driving. She quieted down. She started getting lost, couldn't remember things, couldn't remember days of the week, couldn't write notes in her calendar. Could, And so I was watching all this happen, and then um, I was doing my very best to keep her as, active as I could, so I engaged her with the services of a speech pathologist to help her do 
activities to help with speech and, and loss of speech and remembering what she read and comprehension. And um, then I just, I, I, I just started reading and researching and doing everything I could to find out how can I help my mother? How can I help her? I, I, at the time, it was maybe get better. I knew it wasn't get better, but how can I help her at least enjoy her days and, and, and still have an active lifestyle and to keep her mentally active? And the more I learned from going to uh, workshops at the Alzheimer's Foundation or workshops that were held through the area agency on aging here in the state of Michigan, all these different workshops taught me that being socialized, being mentally active, um, like what Keith said, just if the answer is something from 1960 or 1940, just go along with it. It was very hard for me to, um, to, to, to deal with it, but I just went, on a, went out and just learned as much as I could. And, and the, the hardest thing that you'll see in the movie is my mother has something called echolalia or echolalia, where whatever the last thing is that you say, she'll repeat it to you. Mom, do you want to have steak or tuna fish? Tuna fish. Mom, do you want to have tuna fish or steak? Steak. So it's the last answer. It's the last thing that she hears. And so what was so difficult and still is difficult and will always be difficult is that I have to make every decision for her. I have to just do what I think is best, the most prudent, the most healthy, the, the safest, the most enjoyable decision I can make for her. And it's just real hard to watch this beautiful, and she's still here, she's still with us, and I love that she can smile at me, and she's very quiet, but she can smile, and she does talk a little bit, that, that she's still here. I have her smile, I have the gleam in her eye, I get the hug, albeit not as sturdy and strong as it used to be, but she's still here. But it's it's just it's a very hard journey, and as we're going through the stages and progressing further along, it gets harder and harder and harder. And I hope I answered your question and didn't no, divert no. too much off track. No, no, it's it's uh, it's wonderful because this is a. This is a package deal, you know, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you have to maneuver through it. And, you know, when you were talking about, you know, having to make all the decisions because you knew your mom would just repeat the last thing that you said, I, I remember going through that with my mom as well and not realizing how exhausting that is to be that responsible for every little decision. And I, I grew um you know, when I would get together with friends, they're like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to make a decision. I don't want, you know, I just just didn't. And I pulled back in other areas to try to help compensate for that because it was just, it was, it was exhausting and draining, even though it's an, an honor to care for them. There's that, there is that whole, whole other side, because I think we all have inside of us, you know, that, um, that little talking fiend that, uh, you know, makes us question, are we doing the right thing? You know, is this right. the best decision? And kind of that little little inner critic to there. How did you take care of yourself during this journey? Because that's uh, one of the, I think, the most difficult things for any care partner to do. Well, luckily for me, and I don't want to say this in a, in a negative way at all, but my mother 
doesn't live with me. My mother lives at home with her caregivers. And um, my father is actually still living. So, But I, I could be with her during the day. I could take her to all her appointments. I could do everything I needed to do. I could make sure she was getting healthy meals. I could make sure she was. we were at the doctor's keeping her as healthy as we can, going to daily activities. But I got to leave at night or I got to come over a little bit later in the morning. So exercise. I went crazy with just mentally getting on a machine of some sort and just zoning out with a TV show or a book. I, I needed to, like, the, the hardest, the, the, they, everything I've learned in all the workshops I've gone to is that the caregiver is the one who gets ill or gets sick and is then not able to take care of the person that they're taking care care of. And it's really important for the caregiver to take care of themselves. And in my case, I'm very fortunate that we have uh, women who who are with my mother 24-7. But for those people who are not in that same uh, uh, state, and I've talked to lots of my friends and lots of people that I've I've been with in, in different situations, I tell them that they have to get respite. They have to take, make use of any opportunity of any classes or programs that are offered and drop their loved one off at one of these uh, programs that the state or different organizations offer so that they can have time to go out and just be by themselves or socialize. The most important thing is to keep yourself as healthy as you can and to if you can break away for a little bit, it's very, very, very difficult for people that are taking care of their spouse and living with their spouse with no additional care. But, but if they can just find some sort of respite or even while their spouse is sitting still, um, they can just do some sort of physical exercise or meditation or something because it is, it, it's such an emotional drain and, and it's, it's overwhelming. And as you said, to make every decision, decision, it's very difficult. It's very, because you're hoping that your decisions, you're you're trusting that you're doing what's right, what's best, and and you're and like you said, you're always um, asking yourself, did I make the right decision? Should we do that? Should we do this? And but but I recommend for anybody as a caregiver, you are the one that's more most likely to get get um, take ill or have problems so you must take care of yourself by doing something you love if you love to paint go out and take a if you can get away and you have to either find other family members to come in respite there's helping hands there's senior organizations anything to just give yourself a break as often as you can because it's really 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 tough really tough yeah. And for every individual, that's going to be different. For some people, they just might need some sleep and need someone to come over so that they can just get some rest. Um, sure. For someone else, it might be going to the gym or getting their nails done or having a cup of coffee with friends or out to a movie. There, There is no right or wrong. Um, but I know, I know for myself, I, I was not good at looking inward because I was too busy taking care of everybody else. And um, I, I almost broke. I almost broke. But I had wonderful girlfriends who kept calling me and asking me out for coffee. And one day I was having a really bad day. 
And I said, okay, I'll, I'll give you 10 minutes. Like I'm the queen bee coming to town, roll out the red carpets. You're going to get me for 10 minutes. I, I was just very cocky and upset. And I thought, well, if I give them 10 minutes, they'll stop bugging me. And uh-huh. I I went there and I ended up staying for two hours and we laughed and we cried. And I think as a care partner, you don't know how empty you are until you get refilled again. And I, I, from Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, what, what I'm saying is, is exactly what, you, what you're saying. I mean, you need to get out there. You need to socialize. Your, the care person, the caregiver needs mm-hmm. to socialize, needs to be engaged, because as much as you didn't want to leave for, and you said, I'll give you 10 minutes, it, it, just, it just started your engines up again. It got your battery recharged, and it gave you that extra oomph to continue on because, like you said, you are depleted, you are empty, you are tired, you are scared, and you're frustrated. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's real, real hard. Well, and it's all about that balance, you know, and what it made me realize was I could be a better care partner if I if I felt full, you know, if I felt balanced. But when I'm dragging and tired and, you know, when I'm dragging and tired, I get cranky and snappy, you know, like the rest of the world. <laughs> and that's, who wants to be around that, you know? So yeah. I think I think respite sometimes we forget is good for both sides. Because they get tired of us, too, always being around and, and hovering. And uh-huh. um, they like some downtime as well. Uh, uh-huh. And so if we look at it not as running away, but to really refill both of us and to to give us um, a little bit of space um, to be and do whatever it is we need to do in that time, that, that that's very healthy. So thank you for, for bringing that up. I, I really appreciate that. Um, Robert, I want to pull you into the conversation here because we haven't heard from you yet. And I was busy taking my siesta. <laughs> you were, were you? Um, what I would like to know from you is, if, A, if you can tell us a little bit more about your journey with your dad and uh, what prompted you and your family to be part of the film as well. Well, uh, thanks, Lori, and, and would, uh, th- thanks for having me on the show. And, and really uh, what prompted me are people like Keith and Kathy who – have really, I think, brought the Detroit community together in a meaningful way around this issue, just like it sounds like you've done in Minnesota with your show and your website I was looking at. I mean, I think it's a really, at the end of the day, it's so much about awareness. And so this movie really speaks to that. Um, you know, what it, uh, my father was the perfect balance of a man. He was uh, a physician. He took very good care of himself. He, he, um, he was firm. He was gentle. You know, I, I kind of use those archetypes to describe him as a hero because he served in Vietnam. He was a um, he was a warrior, you know, uh, as well because he was a you know he, he served uh, a magician because he was a doctor and and a king because he was always about being fair. So I really really looked up to my father growing up. Um, and and so to lose see him lose his faculties was really hard. And I think what's hard about Alzheimer's is the slow onset of it. At least in my case, that's what it was. And also living out of state in Florida, I didn't feel as connected to it. I could kind of talk to my mom and just say, "How's Dad?" And she says, "He's doing okay," you know. And then that was it. And then um, you know, through Kathy and my mom, who know each other. Um, 
you know, and, and through Keith, um, I got connected to this movie and I'm one of these people who supports causes, especially that, that directly affect me. And this one was right at ground zero for me. So I, I really wanted to get behind this and in a way too to honor my parents. I really wanted to honor my mother. And I think, uh, I can't thank Keith enough for how he does that in this movie. Um, I think it's one of the more, and Kathy too, I mean, the personal side uh, stories that are shown, that are re- reflected in this movie are, are revealed are so powerful. And uh, I, I really wasn't connected to how, you know, I was, I was really dissociated from how the caretaker, what the caretaker, what the caretaker goes through. And my mother um, and my father really loved each other. I mean, yeah, I can't, you can't say that about many people today. There's a lot of people who are married just by default, you know, but they really loved each other. And my mom promised my father that she would never have him go in a nursing home. And so she's still fighting that today. And, um, you know, she, she, her biggest challenge is, uh, you know, she, she has to oversee four staff. And that, that's a full-time job in itself with all the drama that goes on there. But she <laughs> does a wonderful job at it. And um, so I, I got connected to it because I really wanted to support this, the cause, and also honor my parents and who have been a great example for me. And, and also, I think uh, the other thing that Keith does nicely in the movie is he brings the whole piece of um, how – you know, what's it like to age in a place like Florida? Because a lot of people are moving to Florida as they age. And how is the lifestyle here maybe a little bit different? Um, what's the appeal there? So we got the Florida, the South, South Florida community around us. And we're going to premiere it here, I think, in November now. So we're, we're really excited about that. And, and again, you know, raising more awareness because in the end, that's all, all we can really do at this point. Um, I know for me, uh, one of the biggest things I, I took from this is really looking at my own cognitive health that I more or less took for granted. I am probably in the best shape I've ever been in from after this because, you know, uh, what we eat is so connected. What we eat and how we exercise are so, con- you know, so connected to our brain health. And I never realized that before. So I eat spinach like every day now, thanks to Keith. Um and uh, anyway, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of giving you a lot of info here. I hope I'm answering your question. No, no, that that's fine. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us? You know, um, you you mentioned your dad's diagnosis. You know how it's kind of impacted you in terms of you wanted to you know honor and educate and help raise awareness, and you've changed your lifestyle too. Ha- has it impacted other family members in the same way? Uh, yeah, I mean, not, not in the exact same way. I have a brother, uh, who's, um, a physician who's really been at my mom's side along the way in Michigan and, you know, been very helpful. And then I have a a sister who also lives out of state. And I think we've all really looked to our mom, you know, and then making sure that she's okay because we, all the information like Keith was pointing out is that a lot of this falls on the shoulders of the caretaker and, uh, you know, so that's really, I think, um, we're always communicating about that. Um, and and I think it's connected. Uh, I know my mom is more connected now to others in the community 
regarding Alzheimer's, like he's saying, it takes, it really does take a village, you know, and I think it's, it's important to stay connected to other people that, that can be uh, your, that have your back, you know, so. Yep, uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, well, thank you. I, I really appreciate you guys, you know, being in the, in the thick of this film. I'm going to um, point a couple more questions back to Keith here. And um, Keith, you know, in, in doing a documentary, I, I don't think people understand how much time this takes to do. <laughs> and can, can you tell people how long it took you from, you know, conception to, you know, final edits and being ready to go public with this thing? Well, this documentary, it wasn't, um, wasn't one story. And what the reasons it was two hours, so the DVD, when people are able to order, it's two hours. And you'll see that the film takes us from a little village, uh, Ogimi in Okinawa, you know, all the way to the, mm-hmm. the uh, scientific laboratories of Dr. Paul Cox in, uh, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, to Dr. Asha Rolls in, uh, in, in, uh, at the uh, Technion Institute in Israel, uh, and everywhere in between. So we feature such a wide range of professionals offering really insightful information of what they're doing in the trenches as it relates to cognitive health and well-being that you get a a really wonderful overview of some great minds of medicine and science harmoniously working together to try to find it. And the cure is not even the word because you know, Big Pharma kind of threw the towel out on this a long time ago because they really weren't able to find a cure. So these professionals have had to look outside the box to say, you know, what are we missing here? And why why is it that um, we haven't been able to help patients? And probably one of the most, the biggest aha moments in the medical field has been this, is once someone is symptomatic, once you're symptomatic and you've been diagnosed, that horse has left the gate. You are in severe trouble. There's no turning back. And so the medications they've had have been able to maybe stall or slow down some of the plaques and tangles, but not cure, not, not, not remove them. And that's probably one of the bigger moments in medical in their, what their findings are. So now it's like, wait a minute, if that's the case, then what can we do? What can we do as prevention before that? What kind of drugs can happen before that? What kind of lifestyle changes can be before that? What kind of environmental toxins are we ingesting have an effect on our cognitive well-being? So it's really enabling the whole medical community and scientific community to look at things differently. Now, of course, that now as it relates to just stories in general, you know, we featured individuals from we have individuals climbing mountains in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We have people walking on the beach in Boca Raton. We have you know, people living in the Midwest and intertwining these stories and lifestyles in and out of these uh, really uh, informative, educational, directional thoughts, if you will, from the medical community. So now, so you ask, well, how long does it take to do something like that? It takes a long time. It takes a lot of, it's nothing to get on a plane, travel someplace with four or five people and a filming crew, spend thousands of dollars to do this for two minutes of something that's going to be in a film. You may film for two or three days, but realize there's only two minutes that you're going to use, but the two minutes is so important to the story. So you mm-hmm. really have to kind of look at it as 
listen, as a documentary filmmaker, we do this with all of our films. The film we're working on right now is those on the front lines of cancer. And then we're taking, it's the same format. We just go and go and go and go and just, you, you just, you can't, you can't look at it as when is it done per se or how much is it costing? You just got to keep raising the money along the way, knowing that your target is to create the most informative, educational, impactful, inspirational documentary that's going to help people. So, you know, it's it's just a it's just a work of passion. It's not, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's not the smartest career path if you're reaching for economic success. But that's okay. We do things and we touch people's lives. And I wake up every morning, love what I do, and I go to bed every night knowing we've helped somebody in some way. And, you know, the really unsung heroes are the Cathy's and the Roberts who share their stories. I mean, really without them, we couldn't make these kinds of impactful films, not to mention their support. But it's those individuals that are willing to share their stories. And as a documentary filmmaker, the most important thing for me is to build a level of trust and confidence when I'm working with family members or anybody who's talking about something deeply personal, whether it's Alzheimer's, dementia, cancer, or something of that nature, that they know that their story is important and it's so important and that we're so appreciative of them taking the time to share that with us. That's what's really, you know, for me is that I really need to convey that. Everything else will fall in place, but it's those stories and those people. Well, and I think when you build that trust, too, um, you know, you had mentioned about you could film for two days and get two minutes that you're going to use, but you don't know what those nuggets are until they just come and roll off somebody's lips, you know. The story or you're going to get is never the story you're going to get. I tell my producers mm-hmm. and people I work with all the time, listen, the story we're going in the film is not the story we're going to film. You just have to know that the story will come. I always set out on a path with one thing. I set out to do one interview at Robert's house with his dad. Clearly his father is the story, but that's not the story. The story, and it comes out so clearly in the film, is about love. It's about a relationship. It's about a, a man and a woman and how she refused to get up, give up with him, give up on him and go, till death do us part. That's the story. But I didn't know that was the story. I had no idea that was the story. But, boy, it came mm-hmm. very clear that that was the story. Yeah, and it, there is, there's, so much, there's so much beauty because uh, I think we look at a, a, a medical disease and we think, you know, we think of illness and, you know, we think of all these horrible things, but yet life is still lived. And, and people are still holding tight to those relationships. And, you know, those relationships, that's what gives us meaning. That's what gives us purpose. That's what makes us powerful beings. And I, I, I'm always just stunned, you know, when you, when you see that in action. You know, when it's not staged, when you can just tell it's, it's just, it's real. Um, and it's important. Now, you had um, mentioned that you talked with a lot of different professionals, and I, I want to give you the opportunity just to kind of name drop a little bit more on on some of those individuals that were in the film, um, if you'd like to. Sure, yeah. Dr. Uh, Paul Allen Cox from Jackson Hole, from the, uh, uh, he has a whole scientific brain institute there that works on nothing but understanding how he can approach finding answers to why we have tangles and plaques. Uh, Dr. Asha Rolls from the Technion Institute in, 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 in Israel 
Dr. Hank Paulson from the uh, University of Michigan, um, Dr. Espinoza from Boca Raton Regional. I mean, you know, Dr. Ava Feldman, she has a laboratory working on cell stru- or, uh, stem cell implementation at University of Michigan to help with Alzheimer's. Um, you know, we have a, I mean, it can really go on and on with it. We have a really substantial, and that I'm proud of those relationships that we've developed because of that, because they also, true, are really the unsung heroes. They're, they dedicated their lives to look for a cure or look for an answer or look for a solution. So, but, you know, the film's available. It's on our website. You can, people can order it. You know, you, they go to ontodaysfrontlines.com backslash uh, uh, Alzheimer's, and they can, the film's right there. You can click on it. And, I hope that, you know, your listening audience will choose to want to watch the film. I think they'll gain quite quite a bit from it. Yeah, oh, definitely. And they can also get, um, I think you've got like an 80-page workbook. Um, it, it, it comes along with it, yeah. we The one thing we do with our films is we always, we do these really, in, I think they're they're very strong community-based premieres, and we have a 80-page four-color you know, collector's workbook that's got essays of all of our professionals and stories and so on. We do have a premiere that, that Robert's actually hosting in uh, November 4th in Boca Raton. Uh, there's a premiere in Jackson Hole, Wyoming on, on September 17th. I know we'll be doing more in Michigan. Um, and the film's getting ready to re-air again on October 15th uh, on Detroit Public Television and PBS in Detroit. And then they're working and launching it throughout the state and then eventually the country. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, this is just such a such a hot, hot topic. What do you What do you hope families and professionals will take away from the film? Um, God, I'd like to throw that out to Kathy and and Robert. I'd like to see what okay. they'd say to that. Kathy, what what would your comment be to what would you like to see the um, the families and professionals walk away with from the film? Well, basically. That, that this film provides the momentum for all of us that are healthy to continue to take steps to help ourselves to prevent or hopefully prevent getting some of these diseases of the mind and um, and, and, and all the steps that we've learned in the film. I mean, well, I, I've started ballroom dancing with my husband because they're claiming that ballroom dancing helps with balance and with memory to remember, remember the steps and remember the pattern. Um, that's just one thing I've taken away. Um, <laughs> it just, I want people to know that, that, that they don't need to be scared by this disease of dementia, whether it be Alzheimer's or any of the many, many, many dementias that fall under the big umbrella of dementia but just that you can deal with it and that there's great research being done and that that we're hoping that we can get a better understanding of the causes. We really need answers to like how this is, how how this is caused. What can we do to prevent it for ourselves? And Keith put out so much medical information there in the film. And, and I, I hope this is a call to action for, you mentioned that Maria Shriver and Oprah and other, um, celebrities and, and big names in, in the world can can get behind this and hopefully put a push out for whether it be the drug companies or whoever does the research. I mean, we've got Keith showed the doctors in their labs doing fantastic research, but we need, we need answers and we need answers sooner than later. We need a cure. 
we need to be proactive with clinical trials and and we need to get our great minds of medicine and science just helping to find answers for us we we just want answers how 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 can we keep our brains healthy just give us give us some answers to keep us healthy because as Keith said at the very beginning it's a tsunami of baby boomers aging. Never have there been this many people living this long. There's, there's um, ways to, to uh, help with diabetes and heart disease and things like that. There's medicines to control it. But there's really nothing out there to control um, dementias and, and Alzheimer's, which is a form of dementia, the biggest form of dementia. And we, we, we just really... I just want answers. I want resources for research. I want changes to take place, and 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 I want money to help in research for the aging population, to help us. Let us. Okay. Let us. I mean, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. Okay, well, I would I imagine. I would imagine you're hoping. You know, some of these listeners will will um, become advocates and really help to push Congress and and research forward and. And pull out their wallets to help, you know, right. Um, right. by educating them. Great, right. um, Robert. How about how about you, Robert? What's um, well, I'm hoping, what do you hope they'll yeah, get? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I I, I really hope that um, there becomes a more of a cultural shift in terms of uh, how we view people that are aging in this country, particularly with Alzheimer's that we find a way to revere their life experience like they do in the, you know, in the far East, you know, and, and, and not marginalize mm-hmm. or, you know, not pay attention and, and just, and not say, Oh, I'm so glad that's not me. Or, you know, so we, we become less selfish and, and we focus on, on, on an aging population that brought so much greatness to our country. Um, so, you know, I think, um, yeah, and with, along with Kathy, I mean, just the, it seems that the pharmaceutical companies clearly have, have, are not doing enough or it just there's been a lot of, um, there just hasn't been any great success coming out of it. And this is a complicated one. So I hope that there's more uh, success there. And at the same time, we need to really look at our health, you know, the younger we are. You know, I, there's a correlation now between high blood pressure uh, and, and, and Alzheimer's, you know, and there's, all, there's always correlations coming out, but I believe that's a big one. Um, so, you know, young, as we are younger and younger, you know, wh- what do we do to, to, you know, avert this, you know, so we can stay cognitively strong, healthy, and live like some of the, one of the greatest features in, I think, Keith's movie is he, he shows these populations like in Japan and I forget where else, but people are living a long, long life. And I'm just thinking, what are those guys eating over there? You know? And so it's, uh, you know, I feel fortunate that I'm still in that age to do something about it, you know? Um, so that's really, you know, that's what I hope, you know, that okay. more people well, uh, look yeah. at it that way. And I I would like to see, too, I mean, we're doing all this research for, you know, a medical answer, kind of that magic pill. But I I think we also need to do a lot more research into social supports. 
Um, there's, you know, memory cafes and the arts and so many different things that are coming up that are giving people great peace and empowering them. And, um, you know, I think we need more social support for families in terms of, of respite care and education um, to the public as well. I, I would love to have a cure. I would love to see this thing stopped out. I don't see that happening in my lifetime. Uh, so in the meantime, I'd like to really see uh, people, like you said, coming together, changing our culture from what I refer from crisis to comfort. And I think that shift has started and we've made a lot of progress actually in, in just even the last five years with dementia friendly communities popping up and um, which is very exciting to see. But, you know, we've, this has been around over 100 years and we haven't made much progress in that time. But but we're getting there. I think we've got everybody's attention now. Um, in um, in wrapping up, we just have a few minutes. I, there was one other question I wanted to ask you, Robert, and that was, you know, since you didn't live in the same state as your your parents, were there some additional challenges that you felt um, as a long distance, you know, care partner to your folks? Yeah, my own guilt. <laughs> um, but you know, I it, it was it 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 just as the years rolled on and it got worse, I just felt like I needed to be more present. So I I do business in Michigan. I I only moved down here nine years ago, but I, I get back every month. So I'm there Mm -hmm. pretty regularly. And I, I'm, I'm all, yeah, I talk to my mom every day and that's just the world we live in today, you know? So I just do the best I can, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's a good way to frame things and not beat yourself up. I think we're all real good at, at beating ourselves up. I I love one of the quotes too, that is, um, on the, um, the 80-page um, booklet that you put together by Tipa Snow, and it says, you know, dementia doesn't rob somebody of their dignity. It's our reaction to it that does. And, you know, if we can stay present and, and be more um, be more aware um, and have more empathy and not as judgmental and kind of get out of our own space in terms of having to be in control of everything, I think it really really helps. I appreciate you all being with us. Keith, any last uh, comments you'd like to throw in? You know, I just to throw out the Tipa Snow, and she she's really one of the most important narrative voices in, of course, interviews in the film. She did, she offers such a sense of hope and understanding and compassion to ways she's understood to help with loved ones. I mean, she's so, so powerful, and I think if anybody has a chance to see the film, they'll really walk away, you know, with that. And, uh, and, of course, just being able to say thank you to all of our supporters and Robert and Kathy for their support and for just allowing us to step into their lives. Great. Again, um, the film is called Those on the Front Lines of Alzheimer's and Dementia. It's a two-hour film. You can uh, go ahead and purchase the DVD by going to on, uh, what is it, on to on today's frontlines.com forward slash um, Alzheimer's. That's um, on today's frontlines.com forward slash Alzheimer's. You can also go and see the movie trailer or or visit um, Keith's website. We've got the email and phone addresses uh, posted for you as well if you'd like to reach out uh, to them personally. So, 
Uh, again, thank you all so much for what you're doing. I, I truly do appreciate it, and I'm a I'm a huge advocate of you know raising voice and and getting different stories and opinions out there because you know that's that's what helps educate us. That helps remove the fear um, to see other people doing what we're doing. We don't feel as isolated and and as alone, and um, you know gives us hope. That um, that things will be recognized and dealt with better, and and teaches us ways like Kathy was saying in terms of how to live better. I, I know for me personally, um, it's it's been really healing for me to do this work because then I can look at the disease and say it wasn't all for nothing. You know, I'm, I'm we're all out there trying to lift the hand of someone who's behind us. And, and coming up alongside us with this. So uh, I think that's that collaboration and that, that sense of purpose and sharing is, is very, very powerful. So, again, thank you all for being with us today. Thank you, Lori. Yeah. And, um, Robert, I'll give you one, uh, one minute if there's anything else you want to say, and I'll do the same for Kathy as well. Uh, no, I think I'm pretty complete. I just want to say thank you for the chance to be on your show and keep uh, spreading the great word, uh, you know, and doing all the great work that you're doing. I think it's 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 great that there's people like you that put out the message and, and you know, in, in a multitude of ways. So it just brings us all together. Great. Thank you. Kathy, any last comment from you? I, I also want to thank you uh, for the work that you're doing and for putting the message out there. Because as I said at the very beginning, a lot of people are scared to face this. Mm-hmm. And so the more we can get it out into the open and teach and learn and, and get answers and, and, and help people, and they can watch Tifa Snow on YouTube doing uh, different um, ways to deal with a positive approach to caregiving, it just helps everybody learn more, get better, and, and, and address the situation. So thank you for doing all the work that you're doing with opening up this subject to the world. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you. In closing, I'm just going to give a shout-out to um, a couple other um, companies that I just adore. One is the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation located in Arizona. If you're looking for kind of a holistic approach and want to learn about diet and exercise and meditation, they are definitely the place to go. You can go to alzheimersprevention.org. That's alzheimersprevention.org. Another company you might be interested in checking out is called Purple Table Reservations. Um, And you can go to purpletables.com. They are in the process of trying to educate restaurants in terms of how to better serve those not only with dementia but post-traumatic stress and um, autism etc in a a very dignified respectful fashion and then last i'll give a shout out to maria shriver in her women's alzheimer's movement and you can find uh, more information on maria at alzheimer's uh, women's alzheimer's movement.org thank you so much everyone and have a blessed week Bye now.
Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.